Welcome to the BMJ Podcast. Findings from a range of prospective cohort studies based all around the world indicate that higher intelligence in childhood is related to a lower risk of all-cause mortality in adulthood. And now, a new study published on bmj.com is trying to dig further into that with a whole population cohort from Scotland and data on course-specific mortality. I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor here at the BMJ, and to discuss that study, I'm joined by Ian Deary, Professor of Differential Psychology at the University of Edinburgh and one of the authors. Ian, this is a complicated paper, and we're just going to do a summary of it here, so I'd suggest that listeners go online to read the full detail of the article. Um, But could I start by asking you, why did you want to do this? What hypotheses are floating around about IQ and and cause of death? And what did you want to investigate? There have been quite a lot of studies looking at whether intelligence based on psychometric tests tested in childhood or young adulthood were related to survival illnesses and health in general later in life. So we were trying to answer the question, in a near to full population, including men and women, would we still find the association between intelligence and mortality, specifically looking at different causes of mortality? One of the things to say about previous studies was that first of all, they tended not to be full populations. They were based on samples. Some of the biggest studies in the area had also been rather concentrated on men. For example, they were conscript studies. And studies had often looked at all-cause mortality and not had large numbers of outcome for the various causes of death. You see, we assumed that it wasn't necessarily the case that intelligence would be associated with all types of causes of death, even though it was associated with all-cause mortality. And the other thing we thought was important to have follow-up over the life course from childhood to older age so that we were capturing most of the major causes of mortality. I know it's quite a lot to ask that a single study does all of those things, but we tried our best in this particular study. Yeah, so if we just pick apart that link between um, IQ and survival from from disease, IQ has got a protective effect. Do people know why that is? I think we mostly wouldn't say protective effect, just in case that was misinterpreted. I think the the best thing to say is we do have an empirical association between intelligence measured on a psychometric test in childhood or young adulthood and at least all-cause mortality and some specific causes. And I think it's it's as well to leave it causally agnostic like that and say, okay, why might it be? Well, I think before we say why, we should make it absolutely clear that meta-analyses of this show that this is pretty much the case in every single large study that's looked at it. So what we have here is a rock-solid association, Mm. nothing more. Mm. And right back to our first paper in the BMJ in 2001, we put forward four possible and non-exclusive associations that might actually be explanatory. That is the following. First of all, if you ask what might be being captured by 
an intelligence test score at age 11. It might be that it's capturing what's happened to the brain up until then, maybe things to do with uh, the birth period or illnesses, infections, etc. It might also be a more general indication of just how well the body in general has been put together because the brain's an organ of the body. Looking forward from intelligence at age 11, it might be that in fact the association is mediated by things like education leading to health literacy and perhaps better disease management. Sure. It could be by, again, education going into differential social classes and those thereby being more or less positively associated with health outcomes. So at least those four possible associations might be the explanatory causes. Now, I repeat, not necessarily exclusive. We've we've had one set of results in the last wee while, largely because of the large UK biobank data coming through that have put onto the table that it might be that some small part of the association is accounted for by shared genetic effects. That is, genetic influences that are shared both by intelligence and by health. And that would reflect back to something that we conjectured might be the system integrity, that Mm. is how well the body is put together. But even there, we're left with more than one possible cause insofar as shared genetic effects can be pleiotropy, that is the same genetic variants leading to different outcomes, or what's called and I know this sounds complicated, but it ain't mediated pleiotropy, which is in fact perhaps genetic effects leading to intelligence differences, which thereby are associated with health differences or or the reverse. So again, I'm not trying to say that we don't know anything here, but I think it's just fair to say that we need to look at a a series of possible causes, not least of which is, of course, this important possible uh, mediation or even confounding by education and social class, both of which we know are associated with health, illness and survival. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, you are painting a pretty complex picture here. It seems like there's a lot to unpick. Um, What does this study do to help shed some light on there beyond perhaps um, specifying exact cause of mortality as opposed to all cause. Yep, sure. The the sample is in fact, I'm just going to correct myself here, is in fact not a sample, it's pretty much a population, which is unusual. We don't usually get to study an almost entire population. We took people who were attending school in Scotland on the 4th of June 1947 and sat a test of intelligence called the Murray House Test And rather remarkably, Scotland tested it almost its its entire population born on 1936 on that day. And so what we did was we, in an anonymised way, asked for permission to link the Scottish Mental Survey of 1947 back to everyone who was born in 1936 and then linked that to causes of death up until the very late 70s. So, in fact, in the end of it, we managed to link almost 87% of the 1936 born population to causes of death. Yeah, how many people was that? We eventually managed to link over 65,000. It was 70,805 who took part in the Scottish survey 
1947, and we managed to link over 65,000 of those. So that's almost the entire population of Scotland in a given birth year. We managed to link, therefore, to causes of death from age 11 onwards up until the late 70s. So that's most of the human life course. We linked men and women and looked at results separately, although to cut to the chase on that one, in fact, there weren't huge numbers of differences. And also because it was a large number of people and an almost whole population, there were large numbers of outcomes for each of the major causes of death. What we actually found was that most of the major causes of death were associated with intelligence. Although I should say one really important thing, although that's quite a long list of things that do seem to be associated, the cancers seem to give us a bit of a conundrum. If one breaks those down into smoking and non-smoking related cancers, there's a fairly strong association between smoking related cancer deaths and childhood intelligence, but almost no association whatsoever between non-smoking related cancers and intelligence at age 11. And if one looks at the strength of the association, so for example, let's take cardiovascular disease, which I think most people would be interested in. If one breaks the intelligence test scores from age 11 into deciles, that is 10 different groups of scores going from the highest to the lowest, if one asks what is the size of the statistical association, well, it turns out that people in the highest group of intelligence test scorers are less than half as likely to be dying of cardiovascular disease over that period than those in the lowest scoring. So it's quite a, quite a strong effect. And there's a similar sort of size effect for stroke, not dissimilar for smoking-related cancers. And one of the strongest associations we found for some reason was with respiratory disease. And there, if we looked at the top scoring tenth of the people in IQ at age 11, they're about a third as likely to, to die from this cause by older age, as are the folks who are scoring in the lowest tenth. So once again, we're looking at fairly sizable associations. Mm. Um, and we can, we'll discuss this in a little bit, but I just wanted to unpick um, some more stuff about your cohort here. So um, the Murray House test that measures IQ, is it doing it in a similar way to, to modern IQ tests? Yeah, I think it's a good question. One does wonder, you know, how valid and, and useful a, an intelligence test can be that was used in, in 1947. And we have some empirical data on that. At the time, in addition to the 70,805 testing they did on the 4th of June 1947, they went and tested over a thousand of these children once again on an individual intelligence test, the Stanford revision of the Binet test by Terman and Merrill. And that was the gold standard one-to-one -one intelligence test at the time, and they found a correlation of around 0.8. So it's what we call concurrently valid at the time, that is, it correlates with a gold standard. If one looks at it today, we've been testing some of the people who took part for an ageing study. And similarly, we have tested them fairly recently and looked at their scores once again on the Murray House test. They took it again in older age, having taken it at age 11. And we also tested them on many other modern cognitive tests, including the very well-known and widely validated Wechsler tests mm -hmm. of adult intelligence. And once again, the correlation is very high. So we have 
evidence that this Murray House test used way back in 1947 is concurrently valid both in childhood in 1947 and also today in the 2000s on older people too. Mm. So that seems like a, a good measure. And then the other thing I was wondering was, if you've got the data here for IQ age 11, you've got the data for, for cause of death, but what data do you have about someone's life course in between? So, I don't know, perhaps occupation, something like that, that might help um, explain some of this association. Yeah, I'd say that one of the limitations of this present study that, that readers will find that we tried our best to sort out was the fact that we didn't have much information on the life course between age 11 and subsequent death. Not, however, that I think that is a particularly big problem insofar as what we were trying to show was an association between childhood intelligence and the major causes of death in a full population in both sexes across most of the life course. And we did achieve that. However, we've been asked, you know, can we do anything to look at possible confounding and mediation? And we did several things. One is that we were lucky because the Scottish Mental Survey of 1947 in some of its subgroups took a good deal more information. So we had extra information about, for example, parental occupation. Once one adjusts for parental occupation, really nothing much happens to any of the associations. Mm. But of course, one also wonders, okay, that's parental information. What about things that have happened between uh, then and later on? Well, there we had recourse to another study in Scotland. And the team there were kind enough to supply information of people born around the same time in the 30s. Now, they had mental ability tests, not in childhood, but in, in middle age. But what they also supplied was information on things like education, occupation, and also smoking. And we found variable attenuation once one introduced those effects one then has to think what those actually mean. So if we take education and socioeconomic status, first of all, I think we're still left with a bit of a quandary there because quite obviously these things could be mediators of childhood intelligence insofar as we know there's good evidence that people with higher scoring intelligence tests at childhood tend to stay longer in education, subsequently move into more professional jobs. But one doesn't assume that's all of the case because we know that more education can also have an effect on intelligence itself. So those are interesting to, to bring into it and to ask why, but I think we still have to look at what it exactly means that those attenuate some of the association. Smoking was a bit of a surprise. It didn't have as big a uh, mediating attenuation as we would have expected, especially for respiratory diseases or deaths by respiratory disease where the attenuation there wasn't quite as large as we were expecting it to be. So we did find out some things, but once one brings into it the fact that we've also found some genetic associations between some of these things, we still have to say that the jury's out on actual causes and that one of the biggest surprises was that smoking doesn't do more when it comes to attenuation. 
this is a particular cohort that were born after the war, that that lived through a revolution in medicine, that that saw the introduction of statins and sort of preventative um, healthcare. How do you think? How I don't know. Generalizable? Do you think this population is to to perhaps people who are being born now? The result that we found the association between intelligence tests taken in let's call it youth and later mortality are not dissimilar across different studies in different countries, although mostly Western countries. And so it looks like there's a general phenomenon there. The association's not that different. However, I think it's quite right to say, well, we know that major influences on health and mortality are going to change during that period. For example, smoking is an interesting one as health information has come through. People have quit in in greater numbers and taken up in lower numbers. And so one would have to look at that and other things such as medications that have come on board. And I think this is where one would look at intelligence again to inform us because in a study we'd done some time ago in Edinburgh, we found that intelligence test scores at the beginning of a randomized trial were associated with sticking with the medication for longer. So it might also be that, you know, apart from mortality per se, and whether it's generalizable across different cohorts in time, there might also be health behaviors that are associated with intelligence too. And again, this is not to overcomplicate it, but it's not just the fact of dying, it's the fact of things one do to, to uh, intervene in, in health and illness might also be associated with intelligence. You've been listening to Ian Deary from the University of Edinburgh discuss the article Childhood Intelligence in Relation to Major Causes of Death in 68-Year Follow-Up, a Prospective Population Study, which is now available on bmj.com. If you've enjoyed this, you can subscribe to all of our podcasts on iTunes or wherever you get them from. We're available in most places now. Rate and review us. It lets us know what you want and it helps other people to find us. If you want more, you can also find our full back catalogue on SoundCloud. Just search for BMJ Talk Medicine. There are years worth of podcasts for there, all for free. Thanks for listening.